Hello and welcome to yet another episode of An Unqualified Guide to Good Life, the show where we try to work out what it means to live well despite having no qualifications to do so. My name is Adam and with me as always is Nicholas, part of Geneva, 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 son of Matthias and um, just some dude who's sitting in his room. I'm sitting in mine and we're going to do a podcast on a Friday night once more. How are you doing today, Nicholas? I'm doing very well. You know, I am a little bit frustrated by the fact that with this additional feature of recording ourselves visually on Zoom, I get to pick a new name every time we do this podcast, and you refuse to yeah. acknowledge that so far. That's four, 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 four. You know, and I well, wish, they're ridiculous. They're I ridiculous. That's why I'm. Please to introduce them. me how I would like to be introduced, Adam. Well, on this, on this uh, Zoom recording, yeah. Nick has set his name to Zeus. Yes, we've had um, we've had Rex, so... we've had Remington, and now we have Zeus. And I plan to continue creating infinite variables of my name. Because life, Adam, is but a game. You know? Was that was that smooth trans? It wasn't a smooth... How are well, you? Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. <laughs> um, we're going to have to call it there, um, unfortunately. I'm... I'm. Well, I was fine until you made me sit through that, um, Nick. I As I as I said, I, I learned a new skill today, Adobe Illustrator. That was good fun. Um, how are you? That's cool. Yeah, I'm good. I don't know how I've become the idiot in this dynamic. <laughs> but <sighs> you did it entirely to yourself. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking a bullet for the team. I want I want people to know that I'm much smarter than I in fact sound. No, than I than I look. No, what whatever. I'm not as stupid as you think. Then you assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but otherwise, beyond that, I'm fine. Um, another Friday evening podcast, because despite having very loose schedules, this is the only time in the week that we can find to record our podcast. So here we are, another Friday night. And um, yeah, yeah, things things are good. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're the same a lot of the time. And if they're different, well, I'm sort of jaded. So... You know, I don't yeah, notice. Such is um, <laughs> such is life in 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 the lockdown world. Um, as I believe Switzerland has just gone into as well. Congratulations, welcome. Yeah, well, we've been at it for a while, but it's just been sort of half-hearted. Yeah, months and months of foreplay, Adam. Now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> gone. Now, two episodes ago, Nick, uh, we we did something which we hadn't done before, which was revisit a topic first addressed in a previous episode. And I don't know if you've pegged this, but we are doing that again this week because today we're going to be talking about uh, habit building. And that was the subject of our very first episode of an unqualified guide to the good life. Um, All those months ago, April, 2020. And hopefully we'll bring more insights and more, be- more, more, better, better quality to this time around. Yeah, that's, um, to be honest with you, I didn't know which episode you were going to reference because, you know, <laughs> which is just a reflection of how many episodes we've made since then, you know, and how tremendously our minds have traveled from topic to topic. Um, but um, yeah, that was a that was that was a very like habit specific to us kind of episode though. Like we're talking about yeah. like the practice of building habits, which relates to the mind, which is our theme. Because because well, we're gonna tell you why. Because well, you know, we the mind it's an important part of our lives. It's something we use <laughs> all day every day. So we may as well. Yeah, have but I realized that like we could pretty much lump anything under the mind category because you could just say well, well think... it's controlled by the mind <laughs> well i think that this specifically fits in because it's all about learning and, and how we go about integrating yes. um you know learn, learning to to take up there new actions is. or maybe not we'll see um yeah. i in fact yeah. i in fact i know how it relates to mind because my opening quote uh yeah, directly now, now, now that we've that, uh, laid out our qualifications let's let's uh <laughs> thinner than ever um <laughs> This quote is from Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit. Habits never really disappear. They are encoded into the structures of our brain. And that's a huge advantage for us because it would be awful if we had to relearn how to drive after every vacation. Mm. Well, 
Yes, that is that is a convenient truth. It's like the old adage, you know, it's like riding a bicycle, you know, which, yeah. which you know, I guess refers to the notion that um, even after a certain amount of time, certain things can remain um, ingrained in your brain. Obviously, it depends how often you practice them and how much you sure. stress those, you know, neural pathways that uh, create that muscle memory um, or, you know... Um, uh, mimetic memory of mind. Um, I'm sure that's the way to say that. <laughs> mimetic memory of mind. Got it. Yes. I'm, I'm really. So it's like. <laughs> Gone. It's like Fran said to us a few weeks ago um, that the the mind can influence the brain and vice versa. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to say as well. And. Um, yeah, I think I think actually what I was trying to refer to though is um, like you know from Muay Thai as you know from Muay Thai right like mm-hmm. combat sports super repetitive art um, art form exercising form but um, you just drill things repetitively repetitively yeah. um, and it doesn't really make sense until you actually end up in like a fighting context where you realize like you don't actually have the time to think you need to be on like you know like instinct pretty much until you get comfortable enough in that fighting space to be able to think and plan yourself out. But w- what that means is that you're just reacting off muscle memory. So like you can have all the strategies in the world. If they haven't built drilled to the point that you can do them in your sleep, they're just going to disappear, you know? Um, and that's not necessarily true of everything because not everything is so high intensity as to trigger that aspect of yourself. But um, certainly it, it, it kind of illustrates the premise clearly. Right. Well, I think it, it plays into something which will become um, very, very important later on in, in something I'm going to talk about in this episode. But, but a quote that we've discussed before on the podcast, which um, often attributed to Aristotle, though it's actually with the work of one of his biographers, um, which is, we are that which we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not a trait, but, but a habit. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and, and on that, I think I will perhaps launch into what i've um researched for this episode which is a which is a book about habit building that is just everywhere at the moment it's called atomic habits it's by james clear and it came onto my radar because um like three or four kind of youtubers that i like to watch have talked about this book um ali abdal did did a did an episode about it thomas frank did one um matt diavella had like james clear who wrote it on his podcast um we should have reached out to james clear and asked him to come on this but so it goes. <laughs> um yeah and um it's a book sort of about the the science and, and practical implications of of how to build habits um and there are it's split into um, two two sections. One one is sort of how to think about habits, and then there are there are actual practical tips for for building them. Um, and I'll start with 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 the sort of how to think about habits. Um, and he split this into into sort of uh, yeah three three categories. For the fourth being the practical steps. Um, and we start off with with what he calls the one percent rule, right? And this is the idea. This is why it's called atomic habits, because it's all about breaking them into small, manageable chunks. Um, mm. And he points out that habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. Right? He says, if you can get better, 1% better every day over the course of a year, that means we will be about 37 times better than we were at the start. Um, even though on a day-to-day basis, we won't notice much change. Conversely, getting 1% worse over the course of a year because of that compounding effect means we'll be at basically zero after a year if we get 1% worse every day. And so good habits therefore make time your ally and bad habits make time your enemy. This is a good quote from that book. Um, mm. and, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and related to this, because it's compounding and therefore exponential, what we have to remember when we try to initiate a new habit is that there is this what uh, James Clear calls the plateau of latent potential. Because we don't notice any benefit until we cross a certain threshold because exponential growth goes up almost flat until it reaches an inflection point at which point it it rises almost vertically. So we have to remember that there is a big delay between starting to try and ingrain these products, uh, these, these habits, and getting the reward. And so we should be more concerned with the trajectory than what our current results are. That's the first point. That's called the 1% rule. Um, 
and I, I wonder if you have any, any thoughts at this point because I will go on to the next one otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, <clears throat> I'm again, I often use the analogy of sport for understanding a lot of the events and practices of life because mm. sport just is such a clear uh, analogy for me. And definitely one thing that I notice, um, and I wonder where this fits actually um, along this metric, is, um, is you know, that, that when you start things, so like I started, you know, like working out on gymnastic rings recently. <clears throat> um, just thought I'd drop that in there. Um, oh, yeah, and- thanks. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> it's important people know. And, um, and like at first, you know, you start like you pick it up with like pretty like quickly and you become like so immersed in this new world that you're discovering and you go about like you know building patterns for it and like picking up all of these new skills seemingly really quickly and it feels like you're really in this like honeymoon phase of it you know and then mm. and then like I, maybe you think it's an illusion but then you get the sense that sort of progress is slowing because it's like, mm. I, what's the what's the name of the effect that I'm talking about? Once you sort of realize just how little you know Kruger about this effect. thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you want to elaborate that real quick? Yeah, so the Dunning-Kruger effect is, is usually um, uh, related, uh, related to confidence in, in one's abilities. Um, and the idea is that once you know a little bit about um, a thing, your confidence in it goes up really, really quickly until it reaches a point where you sort of realize how much you don't know and then your confidence massively falls even though your skills have improved slightly because you realize how much of a chasm there is between your knowledge and it takes a long time to build up that confidence again as you approach uh, mastery Um, and it can be dangerous because some people Hmm. never reach the inflection point of of realizing how much they still have to learn and so that's where a lot of misplaced confidence comes from Uh, but being aware of this effect can help to um to counteract that yeah um okay right makes sense but so i wonder basically my meandering point is is how how that maps out on top of an initial an initial degree of limited progress before hitting this kind of exponential growth curve you know yeah i suppose i would say and whether that tapers uh, off and this is yeah well maybe endlessly exponential you know well um presumably not um Mm. But I would, uh, I, I, and I, and I do think this is it mostly for for getting into the habit of things. But I, I would also say that I think that there is a distinction, um, and this is conjecture, but there is a distinction between your skill in something and your confidence in that skill of something. Right. Yeah. So you can you can improve and and then your your confidence can fall. But as long if you're aware of the Dunning-Kruger effect, then you know that this is a natural thing, so you can help to mitigate that suddenly a, a little bit, I think. But also, this comes in where um, where I, uh, what the point that Clear makes, which is that we should be concerned with that trajectory rather than our results, right? Because if the trajectory mm. remains, remains upwards, if we're able to recognize that, even if, if we suddenly feel really good about it and, and so, then suddenly okay. we feel less confident, then that's still what we should be focusing on. And so the, traje- the tra- trajectory, and another way of saying that would be simply that, you know, being concerned with being able to discern progress in oneself rather than, like, um, out of context where you're actually at is is the most more important variable. What do, what does trajectory mean in this context? Well, I think I think it means if you think about it in the specific, the specific, case of habits the point of a habit is just to do it right so you're trying to build it, it's not necessarily your 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 skill in the building the habit it's just doing the thing every day so i almost feel like there's two different things like why you're building the habit versus actually building it yourself um okay. versus actually building it and and the why you're building it might be to to achieve some outcome which which then falls victim to the dunning kruger effect um, and your trajectory relates to the, uh, the, 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 those, those goals, but, um, the act of doing it in itself. And if you just go at it every day, then that is a good trajectory. Um, for the most part, there are exceptions. Like, um, if you, if you, to use the Muay Thai example, if you practice kicking wrong all the time, then you're getting slightly worse every day. Um, mm-hmm. However, I do think that also relates to the second point that, that Clear makes, which is 
um, essentially screw goals. He thinks that goals are, are a really sort of counterproductive way of thinking about forming habits, when, especially when starting a new skill. Uh, and instead of goals, we should rather focus on systems. And he makes the, has the quote that we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. And the point he's making here is that the problem with goal setting, there are a few problems with it. One is that um, winners and losers have the same goals, right? If you, if you are watching a Muay Thai fight, then they both have the goal of winning. In any sport, it's like how, you know, getting the highest score. But the person who, who lost that fight also had the goal of winning that fight. So that's not the deciding factor there. Um, and, and goals are a momentary change, right? We feel great in having set a goal, but then we, we just sort of um, fall back into our, into our same routine as before, right? Like a, a, one, a video I watched about this, Ali Abdal, he made, gave the example of, of cleaning his room, right? If he gets the motivation to clean his room, then that's achieving that goal. But unless he actually changes something about his life, it's just going to be messy again really soon. It doesn't actually solve the problem. Um, other things are that the goals are sort of uh, both restrict our happiness and are at odds with our long-term happiness. So they restrict our happiness in that we tend to put off happiness until achieving our goals. Like, oh, I'll be happy when I can do this. I'll be happy when I can do this. And the other thing is that the purpose of goal setting is to win the game, right? Whereas for often of the habits, we the purpose is we want to stay in the game. So in sport, for example, the goal is to have like the highest score, but it wouldn't help you to keep looking at the score, right? You have to be in it while you're doing it. Same for, say you want to learn mm. a language, right? You don't um, want to say, right, I want to get my, my B2 certificate and then I'm never going to practice it again, right? You want to keep remain immersed yeah. in this thing. So you have to, so that, that and as Bill Walsh, who was a, an NFL coach, I believe, um, said, if the systems are good, then the score takes care of itself. Yeah, I I think there's some truth to that. I think, however, goals remain embedded in systems because, you know, like, yes, sure, both fighters or competitors or, you know, um, both sides of the competition have um, the same objective, which is to win. And then they both employ different systems and based on who has the most, uh, you know, um, the most, you know, uh, reliable or convenient or well thought out system or appropriate system to this particular clash is likely going to achieve their goal. But um, the, the purpose of the system, at least in these cases, is to arrive at the goal of winning, in, at least in some parts, you know, and um, as much as, you know, you could sort of say, well, not not really. I mean, even if you take the example of football, like, you know, whatever, like tiki-taka possession-based football that like Barcelona, you know, were renowned for like five years ago, um, less than now, but, you know, is is um, still with the objective in mind of winning the game, even if the system is so effective. They don't do the system for the sake of the system itself, right? They still do it for the goal, which then takes them on to other opportunities in which to sharpen and display and refine this system to take them to higher and higher goals, right? So I wouldn't dismiss goals out of hand in favor of systems yeah. because I don't think you can have one without the other. I think that goals are, are certainly... Uh, I, I mean, I think that there's, there's certainly a part of... Um, uh, obviously, a part of why why we want to build habits in, in, the, in the first place. However, I think that the more the point here that's being made is um, that goals aren't what help us to form habits, ultimately. They are. And okay. they're probably a part of it in terms of motivation. But actually, what gets habits to stick is... is building these these systems okay. in place and that becomes a little bit clearer and we talk about how to actually build them in in a, in a moment but the last yeah. idea um before that is is um this idea of uh identity change that's what james clear calls it so the way that clear talks about it is we have outcomes which are what uh, our goals essentially what we want to achieve and then in, in sort of an inner ring of that, we have the systems that lead to our outcomes. And then inside that, we have our, our identity. And he says that the way most people work is they decide on an outcome that they want, and then they build systems to do it. And then the identity reflects off that. And he says, no, no, we have to think about it the other way around. We have to go from 
identity outwards. So, for example, because I realize that that's maybe not very clear, if you say you want to have a six-pack, therefore I will eat healthily, and therefore I'll be very sexy, then you say that's not a great way to look at it because that will that's prone to failure. Instead, you say, no, I'm a sexy person, and what sexy people do is eat healthily, and therefore mm. eventually I will have a six-pack. Interesting. I wonder... Um... So um, there, there is an element of sort of almost, ma- I mean, you know, almost manifestation or anticipation, right? Of like, you know, you in your head, sort of like along that example, right? Or, um, you know, like I'm, okay, again, since, you know, I'm just going to milk this metaphor. But again, like, okay, I am a, an, a, an amazing fighter. So yeah. what amazing fighters do is train in this particular manner and, you know, yeah. like study the game like this and sleep and diet and do all of that other extra shit. So yeah. um, with that in mind, I'm therefore going to do all of these things because that's what I am. You sort of, but you like, you're not though. You, you like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're not you that amazing fighter until you go and do those things. You still have to go through those tasks to, so in a way, like, almost ironically enough, you have to start at your goal and work backwards in a sense, right? I mean, I know it's not exactly the same thing, and um, but do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there is an element almost of, like, manifestation to that, of, like, yeah, I I'm going to embody saying. this, and, like, you can, and there is maybe a danger to that, right? Which is, like, how do you, with confidence, make that assertion without yet having all of those facets that make up the identity, you know? Well, I think that um, I think that part of it is well. First of all, I'll say that I I do have a problem specifically with 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 the idea of manifestation because of how um, tied yeah, it I, is. I know you to do, which is why I'm using it secret. as a critique. <laughs> well, because because I th- I think that the that there is a distinction between manifestation as it is commonly used and the idea of like visualizing the outcome that you want and i think those Mm. are distinct things and Mm. the latter has a lot more value than the former because manifestation is just like thinking about what you want and then expecting that it will come to you (laughs) the other (laughs) visualizing an outcome is like is a way of like strategically planning basically yeah yeah exactly and and i think that and i which is i think the value here not manifestation in terms of identity i think that perhaps it's it maybe this is a a little um uh, a simplification of it but if you say like it, you can still focus on the identity with the goals but it is the other way of thinking about it right rather than a specific outcome like saying i want to win that fight you say i want to be a great fighter that's an identity focused starting point right and great fighters do this therefore i have to so i don't think you have to lie to yourself necessarily although i can see how you would mm, easily fall okay into so that. rather than setting your objectives along specific metrics which could be ultimately yeah. quite superficial or temporal what you're doing is you're you're aiming for a particular identity and therefore from there working backwards in, into you know what what um, characteristics amount to that identity or or you know will help you yeah. achieve that um yeah sure an identity and, that know. will produce these outcomes and then you sure. sort of try and live accordingly i think okay. is what I, I would gather I, I, maybe I i'm think, giving I this think... guy too much credit but this no, is no, the, no, i'm think, trying think, to draw I the think that makes sense i will however say that like that does almost make the assumption which is quite prevalent at the moment um and i actually read an article about this recently which is the only reason i have any thoughts about this but um that that um you know we always sort of encourage, especially in more mature years of our life, and there there is this almost sort of stigma that, like, you know, um, picking up new skills, like, have very sort of fundamental, uh, important, fundamentally important aspects to them, you know, such that they're going to, like, take, like, especially at the age at which we're at now, you know, and, and going later into your 20s and maybe even early 30s, and then sort of progressively less so as you become more stable, like, you, you, you know, you pick up skills with a view to like, this could potentially change my life and ultimately take me somewhere, you know, um, and... I'm not and... sure I follow, what do you mean? So, okay, so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but um, what I'm trying to say is skills, generally, the way we build skills and habits is to like become better people. Skills are means almost to an end. And this, even this like switching from identity backwards is another example of that. But there is also such a thing as like just 
just like being good at a skill for the sake of the skill. Do you know what I mean? And I so and, and in that case, I don't know, like almost like being like just leisurely or indulging in something just for the sake of it. You know, well, like not I, because I suppose... it's going to necessarily take you anywhere just because you're like, you know, so like I know we're talking about skill. I think the implication is almost like, oh, like meditating, training, eating, you know, all of yeah. these like habit building to be better people. But like, you know, like what if you just like want to do origami because that's just fun. And like you're not expecting anything else, really nothing else. You just want to yeah. do origami, well, you know, what, what I would like, probably say is if you just want to do origami, you probably don't need to worry about building a habit right because if you want to do it you'll just do it when you have some free time mm, true 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 um, that is that is a good point so so maybe yeah habit building and like systems is more i mean you know you might still want to do it well for the sake of doing it well yeah right? you still might want to have routine and structure um for that sake um and um and yeah anyway sorry i i i, I will i will let you carry on but that was just my thought well, about um, I, I think it's know. interesting and i think maybe that some of the the the, the sort of concerns and critiques you have will be cleared up a little bit when we talk about the next step which is the actual um what what uh what's his name Tom, james clear calls the four fundamental uh rules of behavioral change okay right and these these are the actual practical steps in how to um affect you know building habits and so he, he he says that the uh there are basically like four steps to doing something in terms of the brain and one is the cue which which thinks oh i should do this the craving which is like i want to do this the response which is like um it, the actual habit that we perform and then the reward is sort of the end goal of, of having done that and so Wait, are those are, is that a system like as, do they happen one after no the this other? is just how it how it how it works he so okay. he says in terms of Can the, brain. You run through triggers the, the brain yeah so you've got q which triggers the brain to initiate an action craving which provides the motivational force for, for doing that action response is the action or habit that we perform and the reward is the end goal okay so um yeah for example, I don't know, um, let's go with, uh, yeah, tidying your room. You know, you, you, you cue, you um, see on you, someone on TV mentions tidying their room, that's cue, craving, you're like, ah, oh, my room's really messy, I can't see the floor. Uh, and then response is actually picking up your clothes and then reward is seeing your nice, clean room and feeling good about that. Okay. That's a very, very basic example. Um. And in order to facilitate these, the to encourage these uh, four steps, there are there are a few uh, recommendations that James Clear has. And the first is on on the lines of um, Q, which is make it obvious. That's how he says it. And part of this is designing our environment around our cues. So you want to basically put fewer steps between you and good behaviors, and more steps between you and bad behaviors. So, for example. Um, a lot of uh, if you want to get better sleep then you might leave your charger for your phone on the wall outside your bedroom right so that you plug it in before you go mm. into the room you never actually bring the phone in there so you're not tempted to scroll and stay up late doing that um, alternatively if you want to like learn how to play guitar which was the example Thomas Frank gave then you might have the guitar on an open stand next to your desk or bed rather than in a case under your bed because if it's like two seconds to grab it and start playing you're far more likely to do that than the 30 seconds it would take you to go under your bed and get it out so you just remove these barriers to entry basically um, right now yeah the second is make it attractive and this was one that i struggled with a little bit so the idea is that we are motivated by the anticipation of a reward so you want to pair an action you want to do with an action that you need to do and the example i came up with is that say say you want to cook more rather than ordering for like takeout all the time um what i like to do is i uh put on an, an like a like a tv show that i enjoy on my phone while while i'm cooking like i like to watch like the simpsons while i cook for example um which maybe is a bad habit in itself but it, it makes it easy to cook it's like oh i get to watch the simpsons and also i cook at the same time so that's doing that mm. um and that makes then sense. yeah and then uh 
Yeah, three and four I thought were very similar to one and two, to be honest. But three is make it easy. It's removing friction um, to doing something. I suppose it's different in that it's less about the um, specific environmental cues and and more about having um, the the action itself. I I, I suppose where um, I, I I don't know you you um, leave your your running shoes by the door or something to to put them on to go running but i do feel like that's very similar to the first one and maybe i'm missing a point and if anyone knows any better let us know um and then the the fourth i, I also think is similar is like make it immediately rewarding right we're wired for instant gratification um and so right. maybe after you say all right after i go for this run i'm gonna read a book that i really enjoy um and so that's a little bit different in that it's not mm. the same time it's like afterwards it's something to look forward to afterwards as a way of building that reward um Right. And those are the four right. systematic ones. Which... And then there's a few other little minor points I just want to drop in at the end. Um, one is the two-minute rule. And that's when you start a new habit, aim for less than, like it taking less than two minutes. So if you want to start meditating and you want to do meditating for 20 minutes every day, don't make 20 minutes your like aim because that's very easy to fail. That's quite daunting. Just say you're going to do it for two minutes. And there's a good chance that if you do it for two minutes, you will... Um, a continue but b even if you do for two minutes that's still going in the right trajectory and it's building these connections in your brain that you're going to do it as a habit and then there is the two-day rule which is never go two days in a row without doing something so it's okay if you don't do it one day in a row but just make sure you do it the next day and you can do that like checking off a calendar or something and that helps um avoid what's called the second mistake which is uh we avoid turning a an outlier into a trajectory so if we miss something or get worse at something one day that's fine if we turn it around the next day but if it gets worse again the day after that then that becomes a trajectory we want to get out of that because of this compounding effect and accountability can help us with this as well that's the last mm. point there so i just do a sure. lot of information i think there's some truth so. to that you know well yeah i think yeah. i think there are some interesting insights there i think that in terms of making um yeah i have i have a couple of thoughts uh, i'll see what i can remember uh, the f the first working sort of backwards is um this like do do it every day is like <clears throat> yeah sure but you know in the case of certain things like you know rest is an inbuilt practice to being successful so um mm. i will i will say that i think over over daily practice i will say consistent practice um, yeah. I would add as an addition to that, you know, like you, it doesn't, you know, it makes more sense to train half an hour of Muay Thai or running or, you know, whatever every other day than it does, yeah. I think, to probably, probably to do then to do then like, you know, two minutes every day, you know, whatever. Um, and then the other thing, and which is sort of fits onto that, right, is this kind of like make it easy um, and that like, Yes, make it easy as you can, but then also don't be um, don't be shy to you know sort of acknowledge and embrace that like in some respects like it is gonna be a little bit uncomfortable like the process of building new habits and of you know gr growing um, your skill set or your you know breadth of experience like can be like an inherently uncomfortable one but like you should you know you should sort of embrace that as a practice and i'm you know not to say that that's necessarily something he's trying to do away with but like you know um even now like with a, like a pretty well drilled habit of running like the first five minutes of running generally not that great because you have to break that first win you know it's like you're going to be uncomfortable a little bit especially at the beginning and like that's that's okay don't be overwhelmed by that discomfort um you know don't like seek it out at all costs but like just know that you know in 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 moderate you know consumption like being consistently slop somewhat uncomfortable means you're consistently pushing yourself to be better at what you're doing and um, yeah and that's nothing I, to be I, taken to shy away from you know i i think it's important to know actually that that the make it easy that is in terms of um make it easy accessibility to, to the skill, yeah. yeah access it because there is a it does also make the point that we um we 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 work best in what's called the goldilocks zone which is like we work we do our best work when we're sort of at the edge of our capabilities um because yeah. if it's too easy we lose interest and if it's too hard we yeah. get frustrated which is yeah up, that's so. like flow state right when like the yeah the the challenge matches your skill level 
Um, and and no, but I, you know, and I, and I only say that um, really to enforce that. Like, I think there is this like compulsion to sell this notion and also um, to go out looking for it, which is maybe why it's sold sort of supply and demand. But like that, you know, that don't. <laughs> don't trust people who are going to make the whole process easy for you. You know, right. it's like, that's not like, you know, like stopping your cravings or building health, like all of these things, like they will, they can be arduous and kind of chory at the beginning. And, um, you know, like, yeah, that's like, as of yet, I don't really know that there is um, a way around that, you know, and I don't think that there should be. I think part of building yeah. skill is building character and learning to, you know, like take on responsibility and building new things usually means sacrificing other things, even if they are bad habits and, you know, taking on that weight and, and shouldering and, and displacing something that you would want for instant gratification now, later and all of these processes, right, which are not necessarily predicated on comfort. In fact, on learning to discipline those kind of that appetite of yours that's seeking comfort and instant mm -hmm. gratification you know um but of course it's nice to have that too yeah uh, e even as a reward in those circumstances <clears throat> definitely and, um, um, and I, yeah and i yeah. think that plays into the the remembering that it's like a one percent compound thing right like mm -hmm. you, you know it's going to be hard but you you look at your trajectory rather than your instant results yeah yeah agreed agreed um so so do you have any any cl closing thoughts on on this book because that's those are quite a few insights actually um yeah the, there's um, a lot to it and um i am i i would say i i suppose to um to just just to mitigate um my my because i feel I've, I've come off quite enthusiastic about it i would say as with as with anything like take what is useful for you from it and mm -hmm. uh, and discard the rest um these aren't you know there's not gospel it's just but some ideas in it i think can be very useful and for me i think the the, the takeaway will be the um certainly the the one percent um uh the the yeah, the first three points really. The the compounding I think is very interesting. Systems over goals I think is also a very interesting idea. Although I do as agree with you that I think goals are important to um, keep in mind, but but I do think they will be trumped by systems. And also I'm going to have a play around with the identity change one. I'm skeptical by nature of it, but um but I do think that it's it's a, a sure. an interesting yeah, perhaps I, novel way of looking at things. I I agree with that, and I would add to that trajectory. Trajectory is a nice way of looking at things, right? Yeah. Like um, if you're mapping out your well, essentially your productivity or your consistency with the skill, yeah, um, it is a it is it is an, an, a useful framework. Um, and <clears throat> well, quickly to the effect, and, you know, it's really a shame because you know I'd done all this all this research myself, <laughs> and you've taken yeah, sorry, up I did most go over of, a little a, a long a bit long on this segment, but um, yeah, I I know you've done know. done a, done just such a lot of research, Nick. You've taken um, up most of the episodes, so should we just leave it apologies. here? I guess, and we you know we can no. Um, I had just do I had quickly because I think it's it's cool what 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 you did look up. Yeah, so um, basically, you know, I I looked at habit building as a process that actually you initiated me to, um, and the mm -hmm. notion of gamification, right? Yeah. Um, and and well, you know what what gamification is is the process of um taking gaming elements right um out of gaming situations into into real life with the objective of increasing uh, motivation and engagement right so um basically turning situations or aspects of your life into a game right or you know not necessarily even of your life but in this case that's what we're talking about but like of a business practice or of education right mm -hmm. um with <clears throat> With the idea that um, you know games are fun and people yeah. like games, and so you know um, bringing as much sort of joy and interaction into the process of uh, you know learning or or yeah working um, or habit building is is cool. It's more enticing, you know. Um, and so I have, a, I have a few points about some of the benefits of gamification but one thing in particular that i was introduced to which was um very interesting uh was an app uh called habitica uh mm -hmm. which is a free app on the app store that you can download on any smartphone and um where uh you you basically 
become a, a virtual character, right? In a sort of like, it made me think a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, actually. Um, a sort of like a virtual universe or environment where you like, you know, can, can kind of be a, a mage or a rogue or a wizard or whatever. And like, you can decorate yourself accordingly. And basically you, it helps you keep track of your habits and by like successfully completing your tasks, you um, unlock certain XP and start to like level up. And conversely, yeah. by failing to do those things or by setting tasks that you don't want to be engaging in, but that you inevitably go back to, if you're honest with the process of chronicling yourself, it'll also then inflict damage to your character's strength. And like there isn't like a huge amount of gameplay involved into that process, but the process of being in the game is... Um, it's quite a fun one and quite enticing for people. And it's interesting because it's like, oh, cool, I'm going to do these things and then I'm going to level up, right? And you're like, it's it's an external motivation for, um, um, you know, building habit in this particular case, which is what this app is designed for, you know? And um, it can be nice to like, it, it sort of speaks to the instant, you know, the gratification um, reward aspect so it's like cool like i'm gonna meditate because then i can chronicle it on this on this application and like when i do i'm gonna have enough coins so that i can like buy that fur for my whatever the case might be you know and you can like join cooperatives and share that character aspect with other players and it's in the same way that um like for instance like learning is also gamified through apps like duolingo notably right it's a very technological phenomena right um Oh, although, although you know, um, you know, it exists in 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 other ways. Certainly, you know, math maths problems are always gamified, right? Yeah, right. It's like they're always presented as like you know, like stories that you have to complete and unlock it. You know, and so and so and so to an extent, standardized testing is almost gamification. Although, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who would be skeptical. <laughs> grouping those things together yeah um, i i feel like uh having a cool little wizard that you control is a bit different than what you know getting a yeah. grade about whether you're going to get into university or not or pass an yeah, exam like yeah, these are very stressful yeah. things for a lot of people yeah yeah um i think so and but but you know i i think it um this the app seems cool um i've i've tried it out myself i so <laughs> here's the thing i i i personally um like feel a little bit silly doing it like I, I i will admit to that but but not because um not because i don't think it has its value but because in my case at least for the things which i'm trying to develop like i've been there you know i'm trying to build a a better routine sure and and to add things to that but largely for things that i'm already fairly ingrained in you know mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to refine the processes by which I get better at these things. And so I don't really know that I need an external motivator at this point for it. I think it would be much more effective for me, not to say that like I I wouldn't use it, but largely speaking, I think it's much more effective for me in that case in smaller habits that I would like to pick up, but that I'm not, you know? Um, right. and, and one of those could be like, for instance, it's like headspace, right. For meditation. It's like, I want to have a streak. I want to go on a streak, you know? Right. Um, and, and so like, you know, being able to do that and then like, yeah, unlocking cool things from it would be nice. However, the things for which I would like to do those things, like meditate more regularly, sleep better, get rid of my phone before I sleep and all of the, the things around my sleeping pattern and my resting hours all involve me staying as far away from my smartphone as possible. So, you know, having an app on my smartphone that's going to help me, you know, is is almost a a little bit counterproductive. But nonetheless, for other aspects, um, I do recommend it. And you can make the tasks as banal as you want to, you know, just drink three glasses of water a day. Like it can be nice to like, you know, even like on a to-do list, make a to-do list of small things so that you go through a process of reflecting and acknowledging that like, okay, well, it may not be much, but like I did do this thing and I did do that. And in a way it is compound, you know, you can do loads of small little things across the day. Um, And no no one extraordinary uh, achievement will have been, will have been, um, you know, will have taken place, but you you can still have a productive day in that sense. So I I would, um, 
recommend it. I think it's an I think it's an interesting notion if you feel like that's something that could be for you. There are loads of apps um, that offer you know similar um, similar notions, you know, um, and and um, yeah, I think one thing that's also interesting, right, along those lines, is that for instance, I think we're moving crucially a little bit past, thanks actually in parts to technology, a little bit past this notion that like either you work and learn or you play, you know? Right. And that like playing is not like maybe it, um, an almost more effective way of learning at least certain things, you know? Yeah, for sure. And which is Definitely. why, for instance, like, you know, early generations of parents whose children are exposed to video games go like, ah, oh, you know, like video games are a total waste of time. But actually there's a lot to be learned from video games or at least the processes in which video games and even social media like keep our attention and our engagement. Yeah. Like those are incredible tools if they were applied with the right, you know, with the, with the, with the right objectives in mind. And um, there are things to be extracted from that. You know, like I saw an article saying something about like, weirdly enough, video games teach kids about persistence because of the, the yeah. like the challenge skill level that like, no matter how many times you fail to defeat a boss or whatever, you're probably just going to keep going and keep doing that. Like it's very rare to see a, a kid do that with that much consistency versus a maths problem. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyway, that, you know, or, or what, what my takeaway from this really is, is that like this notion of embracing gamification is, um, definitely a very positive one obviously it has negative connotations if we gamify every aspect of our lives and and require these virtual um chroniclers and stimulators and all of these things and we you know we we just hand more power over to the to the smartphone apps and gods that even this podcast is dependent on um but uh but yeah no i think there is a lot of value to that so i, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts but that's really that's really my my, my take on things um, I so I don't know just a just a, a few I suppose I think that um, you make an excellent point about uh, about the, you know that trying to avoid the smartphone as a habit makes it a little bit difficult to um, to put it on there but I I, I I think it's interesting to hear something that Andy Pedicum once said which was that the you know he liked having Headspace as an app because he enjoyed the the contradiction between you know these things being so obviously bad for us in many ways but also having the great potential for for health there um which is something that we see see reflected um throughout many many things right like this the idea from greece of the pharmacon which is that every pretty much everything is a is both a, a poison and a cure in in different measures um and depending on how we use it um so i think that's interesting um i've used a similar app before called life rpg i almost never used it though um i very quickly fell off that and i think that's because of this um i'm not sure i think the the ui wasn't wasn't great and i would like to see a better one but it also just it was just another thing right like you you did the thing and then you had to log it and you're like i don't want to log it i've already done the thing yeah i get that um, yeah it took me a while to sign up to this which is funny because like i needed the motivation to sign up for this because they were like "Ah, create an account i was like don't want to do that that's long i would just like to start interacting straight away you know yeah. uh-huh. so, so, so it, maybe it it's... can set different ob- obstacles <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? so maybe it's it's an idea for something to like um i don't know integrate in, into your life some other way perhaps into perhaps into just however you you do track habits if that's something you want to do mm. maybe it's mm. there's a way to integrate it there um or or maybe it's just an idea for for designers to incorporate into whatever they are, they are using to help us on our um agreed on, on, on whatever it is um, but Agreed. I do think that's interesting. And I think it's uh, also interesting, the, the potential for gamification. I've heard that gamified platforms, I heard from somewhere once that um, it wasn't a critique of gamification as such. It was a critique of leaderboards, which showed okay. that leaderboards are only motivational tools for the people at the top of the leaderboard. So I think that's <laughs> something interesting to note. But I do think there is potential for um, yeah increasing learning through play. I, I was playing a, a video game last night called uh, Sekiro, which is like a really challenging... Um, like a kind of fantasy samurai game. And uh, I was just thinking like, if I'm trying to defeat the boss and, and in addition to blocking the sword stroke at the right time, I had to solve the quadratic equation and how that would change my experience of it. Right, um, right, but right. actually video games can be used as a tool for, for learning. I I, um, I I've, I'm, did a module in my third year of undergrad about, about uh, it was called Temporality, Consciousness and Everyday Life. Uh, and I recounted a story, which I think I've told you before, Nick, but I'm not sure if I've told on this podcast how when I was uh, in eighth grade, so 14, I um, was uh, we had to read a book in English class called The Medici Seal, which is about the Medici family in Renaissance Florence. 
and um i was at a table with all my friends and, and none of us read read i did read the book in the end but we never read it at the rate we were supposed to and my friends always got got in trouble for not reading the book but i never did even though i didn't read it i just played a lot of assassin's creed 2 <laughs> yeah you have told me this anecdote um, <laughs> and yeah as, like i said right um if 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 the game that you're playing in is an immersive like historicized fiction yeah. with a lot of accurate historical detail and kids spend hours playing those games like they're probably going to learn a little thing or two about like middle age florence you know <laughs> yeah um or whatever um, the case might be yeah for sure well um well i think i think that's a a, a great point to stop where we're, we're barreling towards 52 minutes so we're going a little bit long sorry about that but um i hope you you enjoyed dear listener um but before we end nick do you have any announcements to make i bet you do don't have announcements to make yeah if not, we, i'll make them on your behalf <laughs> uh in 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 my capacity as one half of uh command and the wolf my my rap duo um we we've released one uh, the first single of our upcoming second project um, the first single is called Moving Backwards. It's actually only available on YouTube at the moment if you type in Kamau and the Wolf, Moving Backwards on YouTube, or if you find us on Facebook at The Wolf and Kamau or Kamau and the Wolf, um, and on Instagram as well, then you will be able to see us. It'll be up on streaming platforms at the beginning of this upcoming week. That is the week that begins on the 8th of February. Um, so probably on Wednesday the 10th, maybe it'll be up. Um, and um, yeah, it's cool. It's the first, uh, it's a song I'm proud of. I like it a lot. Um, it's uh, got something to it, I think, and um, hopefully other people feel the same way. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's the first single of our project, which has finally got a title, you know, which is exciting. We've called it the Blumenfeld oh. Gambit, which is... Um, I see. Is that after is, Queen, Queen's Gambit? I know Zach's really into chess and has been yeah, for Zach's, a while. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's a whole thing. But yeah, we're, 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 doing, we're doing a bunch of chess puns, basically. We're going nice. to do a whole lot of chessing. And um, it, it, it has more, much more depth to it than that. It's not entirely frivolous, but I'm not going to expound on that here. Okay, cool. And um, also, uh, if you subscribe to Nick's Patreon, Herd Culture Kids, there's an exclusive mm. track there as well. There is that too, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you follow Herd Culture Kids, um, Herd, H-E-R-D, on any social media, um, or on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash herdculturekids. But Herd, Culture, and Kids uh, have their first letters capitalized. Um, then you can find us there as well. There is an introductory video to give us a taste of who we are and what we do. But if you follow our socials, then um, we're going we're gonna to entice you slowly but surely <laughs> to, to join the Herd. Um, excellent. Uh, for my own part... Um I'll leave it that. I'll put a new video up on YouTube about how to make content. It was very self-indulgent. I was trying to figure out how to make content. I'm oh, like, have you oh, put it up already? That video. Yeah, yeah, I put it up this morning. Oh, cool. Um, I haven't seen that. I'll take a look. Cool. And uh, so there's that. Uh, otherwise, um, follow us on, on Instagram at goodlifecast. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via that Instagram page or at um, newbohemianmagazine at gmail.com. Also check out the New Bohemian um Sam Rebels has posted uh, another installment of um, People in Power about protests around the world, um, this time about Hong Kong, comparing it to events in America. I think that's all for the announcements. Um, yeah. I, I need to cleanse my palate, Nick. Do you, do you have a yeah, fact? Yeah, cool. So the beginning. sticking to trees. Um, right. I looked into what you actually probably in all likelihood have all seen. Right, um, and um, it's known as um, Poland's crooked forest, right? Mm. And um, it's uh, it's it's a it's a, a forest in the Polish town of Gryfino, um, close to the German border. In fact, um, uh, you know, used to be part of the German province of Pomerania, and um, has this very iconic set of like four hundred pines in the the sort of the middle of the forest actually which have these carved um trunks at the very base of the tree um and these these dramatic they look like uh, upside down question marks almost uh, but they they then straighten out probably probably um you know like n nine feet up 
um, in the air, two, two, two and a half meters or so up, up, up in the air, um, and then just and just keep growing straight. And there is speculation as to why that is so, and it's actually an unsolved mystery. It's um, uh, an unnatural aspect of nature because there is no natural, um, you know, or there is no there is no consistent reason for why a tree should grow like that. Presumably, it has been influenced at its growth, right? Mm. And um, and so the speculation is that maybe the locals. Um, in in the 1930s which are uh, is when the trees are believed to have been planted um were were um g- deliberately manipulating the shape of the tree um in order to create curved wood for either shipbuilding or furniture making oh, right cool. and that and that the reason why the trees then started growing straight again is because the process was interrupted by world war ii um, oh. Another suggestion is that uh, at a very early inception, Poland being a cold part of the world, they were buried under a snow, under a, lo- a thick sheet of snow for quite some time, um, and that that's why they grew like that. Um, but eventually, they emerged out of it and um, and were able to grow. And um, th- this sort of leads me on to uh, an additional point, which is that uh, tree shaping for aesthetic purposes is something which is uh, actually quite common. If you check out the tree circus in California, which is um, pretty cool. Uh, it showcases uh, the work of Swedish-American farmer Axel Erlandsson, um, who, like, who, for instance, knits tree. Well, he, we- he knits trees. He weaves trees together into, like, lattice formations, for instance. Um, or that, you know, appear what? in, in Just geometric like shapes or loop around each other elegantly. I, I, I think so. Maybe I think they're probably oh. saplings. Probably they're either very fast growing trees or they're very young trees. Um, but yeah, he due to pressure and, and other mechanisms that I truthfully don't know much about. Um, he, he is able to, um, to shape, to shape, to shape trees. So th- there is such a practice as um, tree shaping. And um, hmm. it's not necessarily functional, although it might have been in the case of um, uh, Poland's crooked forest, the crooked forest of Gryffindor. Um, but uh, anyway, check that forest out. Those pictures are iconic, and um, and check out the tree circus in California as well. It's dope. Amazing, cool. Um, that's that's super cool. Thanks for sharing. My my fact um, is tangentially related to trees. Um, you now, stay away. Stay away. From <laughs> um, just very briefly, um, there are apart from humans, there is only one other species known to enjoy spicy food. And that is the Chinese tree shrew. Um, mm. They um, they don't uh, they don't eat chili peppers because those don't grow in their environment. But they do feed heavily on Piper bomeriae folium, which is another right. plant that produces a lot of. Um, capsaicinoids which are the spicy compounds in in chemicals um and it's believed that basically they just have lived in this area for so long that that they um they are missing the amino acid that causes capice cap, cap how do you pronounce that capsaicin uh to be associated with pain and so they eat it and they taste it but they don't experience pain so they really enjoy it um Obviously, bit evolutionary benefit. Um, they get to eat on this food source, which other species don't. And the uh, chili, for its purpose, gets its seed spread by by being eaten by the shrew. Um, but what's but what's pretty it, what's wonderful about where I read this, which was an article in Smithsonian Magazine, um, is the very last paragraph, which is um, eating chilies seems to make a lot of sense for tree shrews. So. Why do people seek out ghost peppers and other tongue-numbing, esophagus-tearing, lung-collapsing peppers? <laughs> Gastropsychologists think it's because of something called benign masochism, in which we seek out pain and negative stimuli like the burning feeling of peppers when we know there is no actual damage being done. In other words, we, as a species, have psychological issues. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> yeah no i think i think that is actually quite an interesting notion as to psychologically the attraction i mean i, I suppose um it's um it's 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 uh, an additional dimension right to to, yeah. to to the diet so there is that um certainly like chili eating as endurance is is um somewhat masochistic not always benign either um but um but yeah i think i think uh well controlled controlled environment 
pain induction is um is you know is is quite playful, right? We we yeah, we do that as children as well. So um, when we play fight and stuff like that, um, for sure. So, and yeah. um, yeah. On on that note, um, we've we've gone on massively too long, and and thank you for bearing with us in our indulgence, dear listener. Um, thank you, Nick, for for being here on this on this Friday evening. Uh, and thank, thank you for listening. And with love and rage, goodbye. Goodbye.